Welcome to the HR Huddle Podcast, presented by Sapient Insights Group, the ultimate resource for all things HR. It's time to get in the huddle. Welcome to Spilling the Tea on HR Tech, where we focus on the hottest HR tech news everyone needs to know to be in the know. We break down the news of the week and help you make sense of what it means for our industry and how it can impact your organization. This is our late mid-July episode. We're so excited to be having you join us, maybe, hopefully, from fresh off your vacation time. I'm your host, Stacey Harris, Chief Research Officer and Managing Partner for Staping Insights Group. Um, we are a research and advisory firm. And joining me today for the conversation is our co-host, Cliff Stevenson, Director of Research and Principal Analyst for Staping Insights Group. Cliff, Welcome to the show again today. We have lots going on, even though it's the middle of summer. So what kind of conversations are we going to have this afternoon? Well, I'll tell you what, in honor of the vacation that, as you said, hopefully lots of people had, we're going to go over to Europe. We're going to talk about some international news, Europe and Africa, and we're going to bring it back, or at least we're going to talk about it. It could be a global issues. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about AI and how that's working and HR and that tech space, talk about some company news, all that fun stuff. And I'm definitely glad to be back. So <laughs> right, if, right if we jump right in. It sounds like you're going to take us on a whirlwind of a vacation yeah. trip for everyone. So I'll, I'll get started. Where are we getting started at today? Yeah. So mark your maps. We're going to Lagos, Nigeria, talking about a new HR tech startup called Propel. And their deal is they are working with local communities And apparently, according to this article, I will say citation needed, that Africa has the globally the youngest population of the continents. I find that pretty fascinating. And an increasing number of people in STEM, there's an increased focus on online learning. So what this company Propel proposes to do is to be that sort of last mile in between these communities and creating these communities of talent and getting them into remote working situations or local jobs, if that exists too, mostly in Europe is their main focus. And I just think it's really cool to see a lot of money going into this, not just because it's new and exciting areas of growth, but also because it runs counter to the narrative that we've been seeing a little bit lately of companies laying people off or putting more people back into the office, it still shows there's a really strong appetite and a lot of interest in having people work remotely and finding young and new talent and finding these new talent pools. Because as you've talked about, as we've talked about here, there is a talent shortage. So being creative and trying to fill that gap, I think is a pretty interesting idea. So plus, it's just always neat to see some HR tech startups, if you ask me. Yeah. And I was, it's interesting because it's an HR tech startup, but it's also a a group focusing on talent niche areas like developers, which I know is a area that we're always trying to find more talent in that space. They also had like, they were talking about a couple of things around how they're doing training schools and talent incubators with this program. So like you said, it's more than just the technology. It's all the things that wrap around it as well, if I understand it, correct? Yeah. And you know, what's pretty cool too, is that taking this sort of community-centered approach, the way Propel is going to make money is the way these sort of recruiting firms do, right? They take placement fees. But 
according to them, they're going to give some of the money back to these communities that then they can use to invest in, as you said, incubators and hackathons and cool little things to help create and make that virtuous cycle, the virtual circle of, hey, people are getting better and they're learning these new skills and then they're getting jobs and then that's making money and vice versa. So like to see more organizations thinking that way, kind of thinking outside the box. And hopefully this works out and helps continue this idea of a more wide view that organizations can take on where they can find talent. Yeah. And these kind of tools, I think they're, they go, kind of go hand in hand with the other things that we've seen sort of increasing in use in the market is employer of records. Because it's one thing to find the talent. The next thing is to actually make sure you manage all the compliance around leveraging that talent in more than just a gig fashion, right? And so that's the other thing that we've been seeing sort of increasing over the probably about the last six months to to 10 months is the employer of record concept. It's been around for a while, but it's been growing, I think, in interest as people start to realize that now that people are, have decided that they're not just staying in a region because they were stuck there for COVID, but now that they actually want to live in Spain and work in the U.S. or vice versa, work in the U.K. and live in the U.S., now you might have to figure out different ways to do that through different service offerings and technology like employers of record who can manage the legal entities required for some of that work carefully and with the compliance in place, right? Yeah, that's right. And because it can be very complex. And I'm glad you mentioned UK and Europe and around the world because that leads us right into the next story that we had noted and wanted to bring up that technically I think what's pretty interesting about this story is by the time people hear this, It'll be okay, but I think it's technically under embargo for the next few minutes. <laughs> anyway, but UKG, who we've mentioned on the program before, has completed their acquisition of Amidas. Now, this was known to be happening, but the, it has finalized. Amidas is a global payroll provider. Some big numbers stand out, more than 160 countries. So we're really taking a global tour now, right? And having seen the Amidas platform before, I was always struck by the way they have very simplistic, but not not simple, but, you know, they really dial down the dashboards and the analytics and the sort of visual style of seeing all of their global payroll in one place when you're trying to manage all of these different payrolls. And that allows, I think, UKG to take advantage of that. And sure enough, they're launching UKG OneView which is, again, a multi-country payroll experience, as they call it. But, you know, kind of getting at this idea of highly automated, one view, bringing everything into a sort of single aspect of payroll across all these highly complex and, as you said, highly regulated environments. Yeah. And it's an interesting approach that we're seeing that this idea of a single view has been out in the market for a while. We've seen Ceridian do it. We've seen Workday do it as well. I think some of the, the different approaches that organizations are taking, some of them are making it purely a technical conversation. Some of them are doing more work within aggregator models, right? Like ADP definitely sort of picked up that whole aggregator model in there. So they had more relationships with all the local payroll providers and more of the tax work that went into all of that. This is kind of a happy medium here, I think, for what UKG is doing with Amidius. 
And I really like that we talked about it at their analyst event where, you know, we gave the little bit of the tea and the fact that there'd be announcements. <laughs> I think you're going to continue to see more of this kind of conversation and more acquisitions and more mergers where these sort of global sort of aggregator models, right, are probably the best way to think about how to sort of get that global payroll view. But then the conversation becomes, so then what's the next level down, which is how do I create a relationship at those local levels if I need to, because sometimes those payroll providers isn't just about getting a view of what I've paid, but there's also services they offer like various government compliance management or different kind of benefit models inside of those regions that maybe you wouldn't have in another country, another area. And so it's there's sort of a technology side to this conversation. There's a relationship side of this conversation. And then there's sort of a compliance and regulation side to these conversations. And all three of those get handled a little differently by every organization. So this, I think, is an opportunity for you to just step right into that conversation. We've been saying for a while that they're going to start competing directly with some of the bigger players in this market as they move up market. And this is one good step in in that direction. And I do think that this is a direct competition to some sense to what we're seeing also happening from the other vendors. ADP has for the long time been sort of the, I would say the primary leader or the primary partner for a lot of organizations on the global payroll front. And we just actually talked to an organization in our briefing just this week that said still their number one requested integration is with ADPs. And so the question is, will this change some of those dynamics as organizations start to add their own capabilities, their own relationships on a global payroll front? I don't know that we're there yet, but it's definitely, I think, going to shift some of the perspectives in the market. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as long as we're talking about payroll, we should talk about the conversation we had just recently with Payscale. They have a number of initiatives coming through around pay equity, around pay transparency, And one of the things that was pretty neat is that it tied in with some of the work we've been doing, which I don't think is out yet, or even by the time this comes out, but about kind of moving to a more strategic view of payroll. And I think they're doing a good job of that, right? Because obviously, as we've discussed, a lot of complexity around regulatory environments, but there are other benefits besides just being in compliance when you're (laughs) doing these type of things and creating a culture, creating strategic value, helping your organization do more long-term planning, but also creating a place to work if we want to tie back to the talent acquisition too, that people find interesting. And I also, of course, because we mentioned the pay equity earlier with women's soccer, that they are sponsoring Portland Thorns. So always got to bring it back to that. So (laughs) that was a pretty cool conversation. And I I just like that idea of helping organizations take a broader view of, I would call traditional HR processes that used to be more transactional and moving them to a more holistic approach. Yeah. Payscale is is an interesting organization. We just did a regular annual briefing update with them this week. And I think that a lot of people know them primarily for their work in sort of basically compensation benchmarking or compensation data would use them as a surveying tool that you would put your data into and you get data back out of, right? You might pull them into sort of, you might leverage them at the comp analysis level and then the comp maybe management level. But, you know, they've made a lot of acquisitions over the last several years that have also brought them into like with Comp and a couple others where they are now very deep into the pay equity conversation. They've recently bought a tool that focuses on 
offer letter management and tracking and what that looks like. And that gives them sort of, again, a whole total sort of from beginning to middle to end of the compensation process. And so it's interesting, I think, to see someone like a pay scale, which traditionally might bucket into as a niche solution in just compensation, and maybe even just a niche solution in compensation benchmarking. And when you really look at what they're trying to do, they're doing what we've been talking about for a long time, which is making the conversation about compensation more than just a dollars and numbers conversation, making it much more of a benefits conversation, much more as a conversation about um, how it engages your employees and how you can think about all that connecting like you talked about, Cliff. I was really pleased to, to see that they're also expanding, I think, into sort of the international data coverage that they've been doing. We've seen that for some while. We've just been talking about how much international is making a big sort of splash in the whole market as a whole. If you can pay someone, you got to handle the the compensation model before you can get to the right pay, right? There's all of those kind of conversations. Doing it internationally is a big conversation. The other thing that I thought, and we can't get too deep into it, but (laughs) they did share with us that they were working on sort of how they're going to be approaching this idea of skills-based compensation. So that'll be interesting to see where they go with that down the road, as well as I think one of the things that we're watching very carefully for all organizations is the artificial intelligence conversation. And they did mention sort of that they've been working and thinking a little bit more about how AI will play a role in the compensation market, particularly in this sort of idea of cloud-based or sort of crowdsourced content in a way that is useful, right? And so I think we're going to see some more of that. So I think oftentimes... The compensation tools are something that we don't get a chance to talk a lot about in our research, <laughs> but we are seeing more and more interest. And I think we know last time we talked about this, that when you look at our list of the top five things that organizations are investing in for 2023, compensation didn't make that list, but they were always, for matter of size or region, somewhere in line, like that number six or seven, right below our top five, which is always sort of the recruiting and the learning and the analytics and the skills stuff right now. But I think people are definitely really rethinking the compensation conversation, especially with the transparency issue right now. Yeah. No, wow. That was that's boiling hot tea. You're gonna get yeah. burned. You're really close to you've got the newest of the new right there. I love to hear it. But yeah, the AI conversation, of course, we've been talking about that. There's been so much talk. We're kind of getting into some of the industry stuff, but even in larger publications, Forbes did two different articles that Links will be in the show notes as always, but one that stood out, actually two that stood out, was on the role of AI in hiring that comes with some stats from Vizier, who we've talked about before. If I just had to pick one sort of standout stat, was that nearly nine out of 10 employees said their employer should take at least some role in reskilling them to make sure they're not replaced by AI tools. So something like that to me is just fascinating that people are already thinking ahead and saying that, hey, this is part of the employer's responsibility. I found that pretty interesting. And it was pretty much related to another article that came out literally today on how IT and HR need to start becoming even more closely entwined. Something I know you've written about, I've written about, we've always been banging this drum, but never more so than when it comes to AI. Because if we're talking about, hey, you need to think about the policies and the procedures in place for using AI, that can't be done without the help of IT. And they're going to have their own spin and their own ideas and their own help and suggestions on where that line is. So I think it's really worth taking a look at 
those kind of concepts. I like to see that being brought out into the bigger view. Yeah, it's interesting that as we're starting to talk, as we're getting past the OAI is going to make my job easier conversation, we get in more into the and past the, oh my gosh, I'm so afraid of AI, which I think we had to get there for about a month, right? We are starting to see sort of now some real interesting dynamics, right? Coming out about how to leverage it safely, how to think about what your role is as an employer now, if you're leveraging more AI and how you help prepare the next generation of workforces, right? There was a, a really interesting, a couple of different interesting articles that I saw sort of more commentary than articles, right? Which is we're talking about sort of the last generation of sort of of a modernization and how people were, they were showing articles back of, from like the 1930s and 40s about how automation in the fields was going to make basically uh, everyone basically obsolete for working in a farm. And we all know that's not quite <laughs> an issue, right? Like that, like not only did it increase the amount of workloads in some cases, because the yields increased and the amount of opportunities increased, but it also increased the level of work that was needed inside of many of those environments. Same thing with knowledge workers in the 1980s. There was there was a great commentary on like, oh, they, they, it was so such a funny, it was like an advertisement with like a a the, one of the newer calculators, right? And they were like, this is going to just replace a whole office environment of office workers. And again, they showed how basically it basically just doubled the amount of workers because you could double the amount of productivity you got out of it. I think there is more interesting things to think about how we move forward with it than to think about how we maybe stop it to some extent. But the other side of this that I think is, has been really interesting and in, you look at sort of the stories here about like, so what is our role in making sure that no one is left behind, which is a bigger conversation because there will always be people and there will always be workforces that will step up to the next level and figure out how to make money and figure out how to make new business models off of these artificial intelligence tools and programs and environments. But there will be people who don't catch that wave early enough, or there will be areas where, you know, we need to keep the work. We need to keep the old systems working while we're figuring out how to use the new systems, right? And we've got to make sure that we're sort of bringing people along with us. And I think that's the more altruistic conversation that we're going to have to have around these. And I think that's definitely what some of these articles were talking about. Yeah. And I think that was beautifully summarized in a very positive way that we should be looking at. Well, you said it better, but you know, <laughs> looking at all the ways that this could help us and making that happen rather than focusing on the sort of doom and gloom that I was about to say sells newspapers, but there's something that has been replaced. So, yeah, yeah, we do, I think, have to have seen some newer commentary. I mean, we talked about it last week, just a bit is the New York laws around using artificial intelligence for selection. And there's quite a few other laws that are now being put in place. And I do think that HR in particular has to stay very close to that conversation because they could be in real hot water if they're not some of the roles like the one we talked about in New York is requiring that and we talked about this but I think you're I'm seeing more and more writing about it that there's a lot of tools out there that just aren't compliant that you've got to be running dual environments right one that's testing whether or not that AI is either biased or is modeling what you would expect it to model and I don't know that's built into almost any implementation model that I know of right now for current tools, whether they're standalone AI or whether they're embedded in part of the technologies that we've been talking about, right? Exactly. And for you listeners, you're there on the front lines. So take these things into consideration. 
that you're there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear if these are the sort of challenges you're facing or anything new that's coming up because, you know, this is just breaking news. It's so interesting to be on the front side and it can be scary, but it's also, it's like a roller coaster. It can also be very exciting. Yeah. I think we're going to, well, I think, I know we're going to be in New York next week. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll be after we've been in New York. So we'll have some more interesting conversation the next time we get a chance to talk to everybody on the podcast, but to bring you some in real time conversations that we're having with several organizations that we're meeting with and having an opportunity to have a dinner and a conversation in New York this week. And then I think the next month we'll be in Chicago. So if anybody's interested, maybe in catching up with us in Chicago, we'll be doing the same thing. The conversations will be around skills, internal mobility, and artificial intelligence as well. And so let us know if you're interested, maybe uh, participating in one of the get-togethers that we'll be in as well. Yeah, that'll be in August. Exactly. Yeah. Chicago. Well, thank you very much, Stacey. That, yeah, we are going to be on the road <laughs> quite a bit. We've got that. There's HR Tech coming up, right? Yeah. So if we're wrapping up, I'm just looking through my notes. I'm like, ah, did we get to everything? Clef? I guess we did. We, again, <laughs> holiday week last week, things are a little short. We'll have to just, I'm sure there'll be some other tips and news that we'll catch up with this week as people start to get back into the, the grind of work. But I should say holiday week for those in the US, not for everybody. And Canada, I think Canada had a holiday somewhere in there too. So my Canadian friends can probably let me know that. But <laughs> for everyone else, hopefully get you had a little bit of a breathing room. But we are, yes, we're getting prepared for all the big conferences coming in August, September, and October. We've got some really big events in September where we'll be going as analysts, but we'll also be keynoting the ISOLVED conference down there. So we're excited about that. That's going to be in Palm Springs. And then we're also keynoting at the annual HR technology conference in Las Vegas, the big one. And we will be the Friday keynote. So if you're making your plans and scheduling out all your time, make sure you keep your hotel rooms and your flight through Friday. If you want to hear all the big updates from the annual survey, we actually just closed by the time you're hearing the podcast, the annual survey for this year, which is really exciting because we hit over 5,000 hits, which was pretty good. That was about where we were at last year. We cleaned throughout the process this year, though. So we are pretty confident that we're going to be in the range of maybe 2,100 or so individual responses. We'll see next week. Tammy, our data analyst, will give us a final number here. So by the next podcast, we'll have that for you. But those are really great numbers. We were just really excited to see that people are just as excited as they have been in the past to participate in the annual research. And if you want to get all the big findings from that, you'll definitely want to join us in Las Vegas October 10th through the 13th. And again, you'll have to stay to that Friday keynote as well as you could probably leave out maybe about like noon, one o'clock that day. So enjoy a little bit of extra time in Las Vegas. Also, if you're interested in making sure you get access to that research, please go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. That will give you all the updates for the research launches and where we'll be visiting, what events we'll be going to, as well as access where you can find the new report when it comes out in October, as well as our existing report and this most recent report that we launched, the HR and Action Report on how SMBs are using technology to thrive. Cliff and I just did a webinar on that. We were really excited about doing it. So lots going on our end of the business side of things. We also want you to be sure that you listen to our sister HR Huddle podcast, HR, We Have a Problem, hosted by CEO Terry Zipper. Those can be found at the same place you find our Spilling the Tea on HR tech episodes. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review where you 
grab your podcast to stay up to date with immediately breaking HR tech news and to get all the behind the scenes content. You can follow us at Sapient Insights on LinkedIn or Twitter. And just so you know, I actually just joined Threads as well. So that's just a little side note for anybody out there. I think we're, I don't know, Cliff, if you've gotten to that point yet, but <laughs> we're, I loaded up all my Instagrams. We're going to see how this works, but I'm already starting to have conversations on it. So it is kind of wow. cool. It reminds me of the early days of Twitter where it was a little bit quiet. So you could have some interesting, fun conversations. So if you haven't joined Threads yet, you may want to try that too. So. And I'll put your Threads contact info so people can find you on there in the show notes as well. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Cliff, for joining us today and sharing all the great news that you were able to pull together, even though it was a holiday week. Thanks to our production team, including Brand Method Media Group, who helps us produce our podcast run by their amazing founder, Kelly Kelly, and our marketing team, Lisa Renko and Zoe Britton. Thank you to our listeners and community. We couldn't do this without you. Again, as always, please be sure to send us your news releases, your questions, the areas you'd like to have more conversations in. We can either post that information here on Spilling Teen HR Tech or make sure we have someone who can talk to it on our HR We Have a Problem podcast as well. And that's it for this episode of Spilling the Tea on HR Tech. We hope it's been just the brew you needed to start the engines running this week. We'll be back in two weeks with another pot of boiling hot HR Tech updates and insights. Thanks, everyone. Have a good holiday season. Mm-hmm.